0: Attention bowlers, would you like to help your stability in your approach and at the foul line? With Stability Strikes Bowling Performance Sock, you can enhance your stability and take the edge off any foot, knee, or back pain you may have while bowling. The extra mohair cushioning in the heel and toe gives you the comfort and support to compete at your maximum potential. So go to StabilityStrikes.com today. Stability in your game is just a pair away. Listen up, bowlers. If you're headed to the USBC Open in Baton Rouge, make sure you head over to the first annual Jet Mulligan Classic, hosted by All Star Lanes. Take a listen to this unique tournament format. Bowl four games and drop your lowest game. For more information, visit www.jetbowling.com or call 225-924-0124. The tournament runs daily starting at 9 a.m. A bowler using jet equipment in this tournament will receive an additional 20% payout bonus on any place they cash in. Above180.com. Taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Sarar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in
1: Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Deandra Aspadeh, DeAndra, Timberg, and Joe Sarar, thank you for joining us today.
2: Hey, thanks for having me here. I'm
1: excited. Deandre, Deandra. I want to begin. You won the USBC Queens on Tuesday, and since then it seems like your life has been a whirlwind from presenting the, the basketball at the Bulls game to phone calls, emails, congratulatory, everything. Uh, what, what is going through your mind? Has, have you came down yet off of that high that you, you've had from winning on Tuesday evening?
2: No, I haven't, and hopefully I never do, because it feels pretty good. I, um you know, to your first question, I have been uh, contacted by a lot of different sources about some really, really cool things to do, and um for instance, the Bulls game. I got to be on the floor and present the game ball the other day at the Bulls game. That probably will never happen in my entire life, and what an honor. And then tonight, I'm throwing out the first pitch at the White Sox game, which I'm a little more nervous about because I don't know how good I am of a pitcher. I I never played any other sports in school. I always always just wanted to bowl and I didn't want to, you know, get hurt doing anything else. So I devoted myself to, to bowling. But now I'm in a situation where I have to throw this ball to a catcher. So I might just bowl it.
3: I would have Madden help you uh, teach you how to kinda of throw a ball. So I mean yeah. you don't wanna you don't wanna roll it. Of the catcher. You want to try and get it there on a fly.
2: I know, I know, I know. I'm going to try. I think I could throw it pretty hard and I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I think any time that bowling can get a little extra um, recognition is pretty awesome and for for me to be able to do that for bowling is is what it's about, you know, because of this win, I, you know, got I don't know how many I don't know how many fans are at the Bull stadium during the game, but all of those fans saw bowling up on the Jumbotron. That's pretty cool. And then same thing tonight at the Sox game. And I was asked to participate in a former Bears, Chicago Bears um, charity event. It's a bowling event. His name is Jerry Azuma. I'm going to be doing that on May 16th. And I just think any time that you can get, you know, shine bowling in a positive light and have the opportunity to talk about how awesome bowling is um, is pretty great, and I'm glad that I'm able to do that.
3: Okay, so if we can skip uh, directly right to the show, I mean, watching the show, it was exciting. It was, I mean, to me, the the way a sporting event should be. There was drama. There were some tense moments in there. Uh, Can you kind of walk us through... You know what was going through your mind in in the early matches, and then if you can kind of finish on when you thought it was the right time to make a ball change because I thought you had a great look with with the Marvel Pearl to start,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: then it started to go away a little bit on you.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I, first, thanks. Thanks for watching, and um, and I'm glad that you know people could watch that show and feel something and. I think that's really, really cool when you can watch a sporting event and and feel some of the emotion that the athlete is having. And I've had so many people message me and call me and tell me that, you know, they got emotional after I won or, you know, they felt really nervous or um, they were yelling at home. You know, I I just think that is the coolest thing that I was able to evoke emotion from people just watching me do what I love. And so that was really cool. Uh, to the show, um, I just really wanted to be me, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to go there trying to win because I did that in 2007, and everybody knows how that turned out. Um, and so I knew that if I just focused on making the best shots that I could, picking the right ball, you know, making really good ball choices, I I felt like I was going to be hard to beat. And it's really hard in that situation to be yourself because there's a lot of outside factors affecting you and I let it affect me in 2007 and I was not going to make that same mistake again um you know I was I'm such a different bowler now than I was then and I I am the bowler that I am today because of of events like that in my life that were heartbreaking and um you know were very difficult to to deal with and so going into the show I I felt good you know I just felt like ah I get to do what I love for all these great people to watch and hopefully inspired them to want to do it too. And and for that win or lose, that's what it meant, what ma- mattered the most to me. And, um, the whole day was really interesting to me because I, I'm not, I've always said that I wasn't a very emotional person and I don't even know if I could say that anymore because since I've had in, I think he messed with, the, you know, my hormones and I'm, I'm a lot more emotional now and, um, it was strange because I woke up that morning. John hadn't gotten there yet because he was coming from the USBC open championships. And I was getting ready and just thinking about, you know, winning already, already having it won. And I was getting choked up just thinking about like, I was imagining the crowd and I was imagining how I would feel. And I just, um, I, I, it's like, I felt it already. And then, you know, um, I had, I had practice session, and even during the practice session, like at 10 a.m., I w- would think thoughts that would make me teary-eyed. And then I had these ESPN interviews, and every question they asked me, I felt like I had to stop because I was getting choked up. And I'm like, "What is wrong with me? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand what's going on." And then John came, and I said, "I don't know what's wrong with me, but I feel like I could cry at any moment. And it's good. It's like a good emotion, but..." i I got to get rid of this. And he was like, you know, it just it's just because it means so much to you and and that, you know, I've been through a lot the last year and a half and, you know, there's been a lot of downs and not that many ups and, you know, finding the balance in my life that I need from you know, practicing and coaching and being the best mother that I can that I think it was just all kind of coming together and win or lose, like I was just really happy to be there. And, and so there I am on the show and and I'm bowling some amazing bowlers. You know, the I, they're the three of the best. And I did, you know, I remember when I was bowling Liz. I looked off set to, to Matt Lawson from the USBC, and I kind of mouthed the words, "This is fun." Like I just, I was enjoying what I was doing, and it's so easy to get wrapped up in it and not enjoy it. And and have it go too fast, and then all of a sudden it's over and you made mistakes and you can't ever take it back, and I didn't want to, to do that again, so I really embraced the, the moment and I, I you know, paid attention to the crowd, and I looked at this family from Dallas that literally did not miss one frame that I bowled the entire tournament. They met me at the U.S. Open last year. I bowled the Pro-Am with, with the 12-year-old. Um, there's a you know, she has a brother, he he's I think, um, thirteen and the parents are great and they brought them these kids to watching pool every single day, every single frame. They did not miss one frame that I pulled, They even they even skipped school for me. <laughs> so, you know, I paid attention to them and I just I I was enjoying the moment. So to answer your question, um, I just really wanted to be me. I wanted to make the best shots I could and I know that I could do that if I didn't try I, I didn't want to try to win. I didn't want to try to beat my opponent. I just, I
1: just wanted to be. Well, Deandra Spatty joining us on the Above One Hundred and Eighty com podcast. Deandra, one hundred and thirty-one of the best women bowlers in the world showed up in Dallas and bowled the Queen's event. Uh, one of the things that my, was going through my mind after this event was this is what people miss out on. There's great women bowlers out there like yourself, like Liz, like uh, Steffi Nation, uh, and I'm going to forget some, but there's great women bowlers out there. We need to do something to get more events and get more TV exposure for you you gals because people are missing out on this, and this is unfortunate that there's not a more, uh, more stages for women bowlers to promote themselves and to get out there and show that women are great in this sport as well.
2: You're absolutely right, and I had a conversation with, with Pete Treadwell right before the event started, and I, I said, you know, first, thanks, thanks for having the queens, because without the USBC, you know, there's no queens, and so I just, I always want to make sure that, that they know that we're appreciative, and and then I said, you know, I was bowling the Tournament of Champions last week, and, and everyone was talking about bowling the world series of bowling at the end of the year. It's... It's really unfortunate that there's no women's World Series of Bowling because it's it's only 10 days. So how hard would it be to you know put the women in with the men like they did a couple of years ago in Detroit and have us bowl for our own prizes and our own you know in our own tournaments? And I just I feel like that could be done because the the structure's already there and and people love watching women bowl. So give us more of an opportunity. It's just it's so sad to me that these Girls that are you know, coming out of college have nowhere to go. Why, why would they want to stay in bowling? When, what can you do? There's two two tournaments a year, really, if, if you're bowling in the U.S. And so, you know, I think that we need to come together as an industry, and we need to, to find a way to make this work. You know, this isn't about oh, we're going to let this organization do it or that one. Like, wait, let's do it together, and let's figure out a way that women have more opportunities and. I think the World Series of Bullying is a great place for that. You know, it's 10 days. There's a lot of events. Put us in there. Let us have our own events. And maybe it's tough to get TV time. Okay, you know, that. try your best. But even if we don't have TV time and we have events, at least it can be online. You can do it. I just feel like everybody is waiting for someone else to do it. And, and we need to come together and do it together.
3: Well, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there, and maybe the USBC will take the initiative and get it rolling. Uh, I don't know if people remember, but they did buy the old women's tour, LPBA, I believe it was called, many years ago. So they have the rights, and uh, I, I make, they could organize this and get it going.
1: And DeAndre, I want to get you to hold the line. Coming up, I want to get you what ball you were throwing. You're, you're with Storm. But I want you to be able to fill in the above180.com listeners as to the the, uh, the balls you were throwing that helped you win your Queens title. That's coming up next on the above180.com podcast.
0: Looking for some added competition? Having a hard time finding a tournament in your area? Tired of all the added expenses and traveling to a tournament? VirtualTournaments.com was designed to allow bowlers to use their league scores towards a national tournament. VirtualTournaments.com has multiple divisions available, along with brackets and high game side pots. Visit VirtualTournaments.com today for information. VirtualTournaments.com. Real bowlers, real scores, real money.
4: This is Lee from BowlerX.com. If you're looking for the best prices and service after the sale on the Internet for bowling balls, shoes, bags, and accessories, come check out BowlerX.com. We carry products from all the major manufacturers. All in-stock orders ship out to you the same day. And best of all, we ship your items fully insured for free. That's right. We don't charge for shipping on any item we sell. Look for BowlerX.com at the 2012 USBC Open Championships in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. In conjunction with the event, we will be awarding one lucky winner with a $500 gift certificate, good for anything we carry. Simply go to www.bowlerX.com between February 10th and June 30th, 2012 to register. We'd also like to congratulate John Tassano of Seabek, Washington, who was the winner of our $750 Brunswick Arsenal giveaway. John walked away with four high-performance balls from Brunswick and a KR Strikeforce four-ball roller bag. BowlerX.com is the online bowling superstore and a proud sponsor of Above180.com.
0: Looking to shoe up against the best in our sport? The Proprietors' Cup is a true megabuck tournament. It takes place in Dayton, Ohio, July 12th through the 15th. If you think you have what it takes to compete against the best in the industry, then listen to this. The Ace Mitchell All-Star Team Challenge is a place where your five-man team can prove it and win $10,000. Here's how it works. Go to www.proprietorscup.com to fill out an entry blank. The singles event is slated for July 14th, and due to high demand, a women's and senior megabucks tournament has been added. Check out their Facebook page and click like. Again, the website, proprietorscup.com for all the details.
3: I have a two-part question for you, and I know it's difficult to remember each part, but the first part is, do you feel a weight was possibly lifted off your shoulders by being able to win this first major in your career? And you've done plenty. You've done more than 99.9% of women bowlers will ever do with your international titles. But do you feel by winning the Queens a weight was lifted off your shoulder? And secondly, if you can kind of touch base again on when you recognized that you may need to make a ball change in that match because I think that might have been very critical hmm. both for you that scoring and mentally you had kind of a, an uplift when you went to the right ball and you saw the right shape and you saw better hitting power.
2: Did you mean to to make that pun? Because that was perfect.
3: Oh, <laughs> was well, maybe I didn't. I don't think I did, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: you said it was critical, and that's what I changed to. Like, I changed oh, to yes, to the you theory. did. Critical theory. <laughs> Um, and
3: and if you can also touch base on what kind of layouts you had on them, since I'm a bowl yeah. guy.
2: First question: I did I feel like there was a weight lifted off me? No, because I never felt weighed down by the fact that I never had a major. Because the reality is, I was going to bowl until I had one, <laughs> and so I knew that <laughs> one, I knew that one day it would happen, um, and I was never going to to leave bowling without one. And um, you know, it's it's also interesting that I I I'm really big into the mental game, obviously. I've read books since I was twelve years old about the mind and how to focus and concentration and on the way to a tournament in February, Japan, I remember reading a book called With Winning in Mind. It was by Lanny Basham. And in it it talks about, you know, writing down your goals and how important that is and, you know, the goal setting process. So I you know took out my little notebook and my purse and I wrote down my goals for the year and one of them, and I just looked it up yesterday. I, I found this little notebook because I thought that I wrote written it down and um, and I looked at it and I said I will win a major this year and I really believed it. I really believed it um, and I said it out loud, um, not to random people, but mainly you know like my husband. I, I I would tell him like I'm I'm going to win a major this year. Like I really feel like I'm going to and. Um, and I think that's, that also, going back to my emotions that day before the show even started, I think that that's what it was all about, that like, it's like my soul and my being knew that I was going to win the tournament before it played out, and all I needed to do was just let it happen. And, and so um, I think that's the power of goal setting, and, and I've always stressed that to the bowlers that I work with. You know, you, In order to get to where you want to get to, you need to know where you're going and what you want. To the question about the the ball change, I thought um, it was interesting because the morning we had a practice session, it was 10 to 12, and I was throwing some balls. They were they were completely different than they had been all week, and I knew that because I knew that the IRTC plays tighter, and I knew that I was not going to look for the reaction that I've had all week, and that was fine. So I was using balls that I hadn't used all week, like the critical theory, and um, the victory road solid and, um, they looked okay. And then, you know, Chris and Del, Chris Schlemmer and Del Ballard, he said, you know, I, we've been talking and we think that we're going to drill you a, a Marvel Pearl. And they both know that I've never, I, I've drilled a couple of them and they haven't matched up to my game that well. I, but I kept trying to, to, you know, find a layout that would work. I just felt like where I was throwing it, it was a little bit too sharp off the spot. And I didn't have the ball speed to get it down the lane. So when they suggested that ball, I thought oh, that's that's interesting. Okay, you know I'm am open minded. I'm I'm like okay, let's let's do it. So they drilled that ball up for me that day. And then, um, I start with it on the show because I need a ball that's going to read down lane and be continuous through the pins. And that Marvel pearl was perfect. You know it it didn't overreact. It it read the lane really well. Um, but I felt like the more I threw balls down the lane, the more the oil was getting down the lane. And so it was delaying the reaction. And when I saw that, I was bowling Steph, Stephanie. It was like the end of the Liz Johnson match, um, beginning of Stephanie. And um, during the commercial break, I, I talked to Dell and Chris, and I, I said, it feels like I need something that reads the mid lane a little bit sooner. And they said, what if you just bumped a little right and um, – just close down your angle. And I thought, yeah, I could, I could definitely do that. Or I could stay where I'm at and slow down. I thought there was two options if I was to stay with that ball, which I didn't think the ball looked bad at all. Um, so I, I stuck with the ball. I moved one right, and, one or two right, and I, I, my perspective of the lane changed a little bit because it wasn't so angular through the front of the lane in the, in the head. So um, I think that helped. And then... And then I felt a little bit closed down, so then I moved one back and just slowed down. And that's when I, um, at 2-8, um, I don't remember what's that is, but I remember that my ball just it didn't read the lane when it needed to. And that's when I knew that I needed to, to change balls to something a little bit earlier. And they suggested the critical, which is also ironic because I always thought that that ball hooked too much for me. <laughs> And my husband, John, always reminds me that I have that in my bag and that I should use that. And I was like, well, I don't know if I throw it hard enough, you know. And Well, I think this was a, a good um, – <laughs> um, it showed me I pretty much, you know, that I, this ball is amazing. I I couldn't believe how much area that I had with it. And because the other girls were playing right and up the lane, they did not touch where I was at all. They completely left me alone. So when I made the ball change to the critical at the end of um, Stephanie's match when I was shooting 270, um, I knew immediately that it was going to read the lane when it needed to, and I was really confident going into the last game that it was going to hold up because I had so much more room to move left and and be comfortable with moving left that I knew that it wasn't going to read early. I, I was kind of bouncing it off of the spot that the girls carved out to the right so, they really helped me, um, you know, because that was the spot that I was getting it to down the lane. So, I, I um, hope you
3: thank them for that, too.
2: <laughs> I don't think that they would appreciate me. But <laughs> um, I just thought it was a, a really good um, ball choice and really good progression. And I'm very grateful for the storm reps and Chris Schlemmer and Del Ballard, to. To help me and give me the confidence that I needed to to make that ball change and and to drill that ball and um, they're they're so awesome. I mean, Storm is the best company in the world. I am so grateful that they wanted me to be a part of their family because there's so many wonderful things about them. Besides having great equipment, I mean, Barb and both Chrisman and the Storm team sent me flowers yesterday, and that that is just thing, little things like that mean so so much and. Um, it's such a personal company. It's, you know, I feel like I really, I really fit in. It's small. It's family run. Everybody is in it together, and I'm just, I'm so grateful to be on the storm team.
1: DeAndre S. Beatty joining us on the Above180.com podcast. Deandra, last question for you. Know you got to get running here. It was uh, made aware to everyone watching that you went from a five step to a four step approach. Talk about doing that, and then uh, doing that right before a, a major championship. For you, uh, how were you able to keep in your mindset the muscle memory that four step as opposed to the five step?
2: Well, I never had any muscle memory because I never did a four step before. <laughs> I taught it, and I knew I knew it, but I never did it. And I'll tell you the story of my four step approach. I was bowling in October in Japan, and I bowled really. Bad, really bad. I just, my timing was so off. It was, everything was disconnected. I was way too late. I couldn't get my ball started early enough into the swing. And I was watching the finals, TV finals, there in the front row with John. And there was a Japanese girl who had a really simple game, but it was really strong and powerful. And she was a four step. And I loved her timing. And I'm like, I think when I get home, I'm going to go to a four-step approach. And John's like, really? Like, you know, you've never said that ever before, but he was all for it because he's actually a four-step and it helped him. He was a five, moved to four and it helped his timing. So, but what a lot of people don't know is that it was six days before the world cup. And that was a pretty big move to make. And it was very risky to do, to make such a big change before a really major event. So I was getting ready to go to South Africa and, um, and I, I just committed to it. I'm like, this is what, this is how I'm gonna bowl. And the moment that I started, I felt that it was the right thing to do, and, and I felt really um, more in sync and a lot less late, and it just everything fit together. Um, and with the help of you know Ron Hoppy and Jason Belmonte and the International Art of Bowling, I, I really had the confidence to to make this change. Um, so it's funny because I feel like every event leads up to the next event and the Japan tournament was not good. I was, I was very disheartened. It was upsetting, but I, I, I took something from that event that, that helped me go on to win and that, that's pretty unbelievable. Um, so that was a really big change. I, I just practiced and practice. And then, and then two weeks before the Queens, Jason Belmonte. Suggest something that no coach in in my whole career has ever told me to do. I, I thought, I guess I thought I was doing it because I knew that, um, you know, with with a four step or a five step. In a five step, it's your second step. But in your fir- in your four step, your first step you want to cross over to the left if you're right handed. And and I knew that. I figured I was doing it, but I was actually taking my step straight. And Jason said you need to get your your hip. You need to get yourself out of the way. So step really far left, like make it feel uncomfortably left. And so I was doing that and he was, he was coaching me from Australia. He was, um, I would send him videos and he would say, you know, that looks better or that's not, that's not enough. And so by stepping out of the way, I was able to make room for my swing and my swing then was not direct, redirected around my body, around my back, which when I took a step straight, it had to get around my body. And it was such a significant change um, that every single ball that I threw at the Queens, I thought of that. I thought of two things, step left and stay down the shot at the end. And, you know, thanks to Jason for really um, finding that in my game. It definitely helped me all week and it helped me on the show. And it it just, it helped my swing immensely. So, you know, it's it's all these coaches in my life that I'm so grateful for and I can't, I don't feel like I want this um, for me. I, I won this with everyone. And from the University of Nebraska, Coach you know, Straub and Coach Klempe, and from my very first coach, Dick Tucker, who you know, kind of discovered my sister and I at our local bowling center and, and wanted to coach us. It's, it's everybody along the way has really led up to this moment, and I, just, I really hope that they know that, that you know, I'll, I'll always be grateful for where I came from and who is with me along the way.
1: Deandra Spady, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Above180.com podcast. All the best in Reno. Uh, hope to see you out there and connect and, and uh, hope to see you bowling under the Reno uh, arches as as the uh, finals are taking place. That would be
2: awesome. Thanks for having me on and thanks for what you're doing for bowling.
1: Thanks, Deandra. For Tim Bird, Joe Sarar, good luck and good bowling.